This is the University World Podcast about living, loving, and laughing, getting inspiration through information. Today we have John Molly New, um, the sales samurai, also um, an author, a podcaster, and a sales strategist. Um, how you doing today, John? Well, for you, it would be evening. How you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm I'm very well, thanks. It's been a it's been a, a kind of busy week for me, so yeah, it's kind of nice way to wrap things up with a podcast. Awesome. Yeah, it's a good it's a good day to it's a good day for a podcast, say the least. Good 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 to have it at the end Absolutely. of your Friday. Um so can you tell the can you, can you tell the podcasters a little bit about yourself? And then of course, you have to explain what a sales samurai is. You have to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm uh well, I'm I'm from England as you can probably guess. Uh I'm actually originally from the northwest, a town called Bolton. But I know living in the southwest, it's just a kind of nicer part of the country. It's a little bit more uh, sort of scenic and we've got beaches and stuff down here. So it's quite a nice part of the world. Uh, I'm 40 now. I live with my girlfriend. We've got a little girl and a dog. The dog's called Mr. Miyagi because I, I used to do karate. So that, that kind of ties in with that. Um, <laughs> the reason that I'm a sales samurai is a good question. Uh, it really came from... My martial arts background, I did martial arts for many years. I've done karate, I did uh, Thai box, I've done Muay Thai, I've done boxing, I've done a, a good range of different martial arts. So, uh, But what I was originally doing is many years ago, I was a, a sensei. When I was t uh, learning karate, I was also door knocking, doing door-to-door -door no uh, sales for the karate. So I'd knock on doors and build up the karate classes. So that's where the, the sales and the, the martial arts kind of tied together. And the more that I did it, the more that I realized how many things kind of cross over. Like if you're stood in line and you're doing punches over and over again, it's just kind of the same thing as reading a script over and over again or picking the phone up and dialing the numbers over and over again. Or you're trying to teach a little kid his, his next catter or his moves and stuff like that. You have to have patience. The same with a prospect on the phone. If they're not quite ready to buy, you have to have patience with them. So... There's so many different things with sales and martial arts that kind of cross over with each other. So what got you first into martial arts to begin with? What, what is your um, martial arts history? Well, I used to love it when I was a kid. I used to always watch all the Van Damme movies and Bloodsport. I must have watched Bloodsport and Kickbox about 50 times. I was just, I was really, really into them when I was about eight or 10. And, uh, I never really studied it when I was a, a really young kid, but as I got older, I really sort of wanted to sort of do, I did a little bit of boxing. I went in the military when I was in my early 20s and I spent a few years in the British Army and I started to do boxing then. But it was only really when I left the military that I, that I kind of found and discovered martial arts again. And I just kind of craved that discipline and stuff that, I'd, that I left behind in the military. And uh, yeah, it kind of replaced that for me. So um, I, you said a little bit about Muay Thai and um, karate. Are those only, your only disciplines? And what, what rank are you in those disciplines currently? Well, yeah, it, it, I've done uh, the majority of the time I spent as a karate instructor. So I'd, I'd spent five years studying karate, but not like once or twice a week. I was doing it heavily for four or five sessions every week, hard sessions. So I got a black belt in karate. I was a shodan ho in karate. 
but with the the Muay Thai, I never really got any kind of grades because it's it's a slightly different. Some some clubs don't even grade you. It's it's uh, so I never really got. I think they have like uh, some clubs will give you bands and stuff around your arm, but I never really I never really did the Muay Thai for the for the grades. It's more for the fitness and the and the fighting style. Uh, since then, I, I tend to do my own stuff now. Just I do like Qigong, uh, Shaolin style Kung Fu. So I've kind of moved over to the Chinese stuff. I do a lot of like nunchucks, sticks, blades, uh, weapons, that kind of thing. So when you, because I see your social media and I see you doing the nunchucks and things like that. When was the time that you start hitting yourself in the face? When was that? When was that moment? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest with you, uh, I probably, because I've got different types of nunchucks, so I've got like plastic ones that that are, that are quite fast and they're quite easy to do the sort of tricks and stuff. And then I've got some really heavy wooden ones as well. And those are the ones that when you if you don't quite do something right, you twat you twat yourself on the elbow or something or, or on the side of the head, you really do know about it. Even experienced nunchaku guys are gonna hit themselves occasionally, but the more that you do it, the less times you get a, a clunk or a bruise and that kind of thing. So it's just. Like anything, just keep doing it. Did you ever um, think of doing uh, martial arts professionally at all? As far as like UFC well, I mean, or something <laughs> like that or MMA? Yeah, I mean, I have fought. Uh, I fought um, a couple of times. Uh, I did boxing. I did a traditional boxing fight about three or four years ago. But more recently, about two years ago, I fought a, st a style called Lethway which is, it's a bit like Muay Thai, but you can headbutt, headbutt as well. Yeah, but you, you actually fight burr knuckle a bit like kickboxer did, but you don't have glass on your knuckles or anything like that. So yeah, it was like you have hand wraps on and I actually fought <laughs> that. But as far as kind of uh, UFC and that kind of thing, I'm probably a little bit late in life for that. I mean, I'm just turned 40. So if I was going to pursue that, it would have probably been better to do it in my early 20s and stuff. But I had other things going on then. So it's more for my own personal health and my own personal well-being rather than going in and competing and fighting and, and getting awards and that kind of thing got you got you okay i'm actually going to start again into jujitsu um only for the fact that i i don't yeah. want to get hit in the head um that's the my main goals but um i i want to know if you were if somebody was starting martial arts late in life or just wanting to start martial arts now what are some things or some tips or tricks tricks you would give them oh that's a good question i mean it depends on what you sort of what you kind of drawn to i mean i've tried grappling i've done a little bit of jujitsu bjj and and other types of grappling and that kind of thing and I do quite like it, but I was it's not my go-to. I'm more of a striker, so I like to punch things and I like to kick things. So that's why I'm kind of more drawn to sort of kung fu and, and uh, muay thai. But if you're quite if you're a wrestler, say say you used to do wrestling as a kid, then you're probably going to be more inclined to swear towards jujitsu or, or some kind of grapple. I, I quite like the idea of judo as well. I thought I like the stuff that, that happens before you get to the floor. So Judo throws locks, that kind of thing, fighting, punching, kicking, knees, elbows, but anything that happens before you get to the floor. If I end up on the floor, then I tend to be in a little bit of trouble because if I'm on the if I'm on the floor with a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, I'm in a bit of a bad place. 
So what I would recommend so is if you're brand new. When you new, went to the military. So, so if, what, I'd say, if, what I'd say if you're brand new is just try a few different things out and see what, you've, what you're feeling you get, get a passion for or enjoy. Got you, got you. So um, you, you, you think people should try, you know, maybe a class or two before they actually dive in too much. You think somebody can dive in too many disciplines at a time um, and get burned out? Oh, um, well, what I would recommend is if you, if you do decide that you're really into into martial arts, study one for a while and get get a really good understanding of one, maybe do a few grades. So say, for example, you decided to do jiu-jitsu, get a few grades. So do, I mean, it takes longer with Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu takes quite a while. So you might find you're a white belt for a long time. But so let's say taekwondo or karate, you did one of them. Maybe get a few grades, do like three or four belts, and then then maybe move on and try other things because then you know you're committed to martial arts, don't you? And then you can kind of try other things because the beauty of martial arts is they all have something to offer, don't they? Karate, you get the discipline, you get holding stances and that kind of thing. But I wouldn't use a karate punch over a boxing punch. If I was in a, it was in a fist fight, I'd be using boxing punches. So... Uh, again, and with Muay Thai, you you don't you get the elbows. If you if you're just doing boxing, you never think about elbowing. So I like to mix things up so I've got the best of of, of all angles. Again, just just whatever you feel you you, you want to. It, at the end of the day, no one's going to say you have to do this or you have to do that or you have to stay training in one discipline all your life. That's boring, isn't it? I quite like to have a little bit of a feel of different things and see what I like. So you also said that you kind of went into the British military. Um, what are some keys from that experience that you've taken into um, your business? Um, and then also what you've taken into being a sales samurai? That's a great question, Drew. I appreciate you asking that. Um, well, there's, there's a few things, really. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't plain sailing. When I came out of the army, there was a lot of negative things that, that I took from it as well. I mean, I was, I was kind of homeless for a while and uh, I, I was kind of lost with paying bills and that kind of thing because you don't do any of that. When you're, in the, when you're in the military, you've got a bed, you've got fed, you, you don't pay bills, you don't have a council tax or, or mortgages or anything like that. You just, you just get on with it and the money you've got, you just spend, don't you? So... It was a it was a hard trans it was it was a harder transition back to civilian life than it was going in, so there was a couple of things and and I turned to drugs and and kind of that there was a lot of kind of messy situations that I found myself in when I came out, but the good things that I, that I take from it is is dedication and and just like a raw, uh, should we say grit and never giving up. If I like the 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 black belt, if I hadn't if I hadn't gone in the military. I wouldn't have got that black belt. If I'd have tried that, I'd have given up uh, like probably purple belt or or blue belt. I would never have had the discipline to keep going and get through all the brown belts and then and and, and keep going and get the black belt. So with the with the, and the the knocking doors, I would have never carried on being a door door knocker because I'd have probably got rejected a few times and thought, oh sod this. But I didn't care. I was I had that that soldier mentality. It was like. So what? I'll knock on the next door. I'll knock on the next door. I'll keep knocking on the next door until I get yeses. So those are the kind of uh, skill sets and, and the things that I, I were positive from the military. And I've got a lot to, to thank for that, I'd say. For the, but 
again, it was yin and yang, so because there was some negative things that came from it as well. So those negative things um, that you touched upon, um, was it martial arts that kind of took you out of that abyss, or what was the breaking point that you knew that you had to kind of like pull yourself up from your bootstraps? Yeah, that that you're pretty right. You're pretty much right. Well, I kind of took myself out of a situation. I, I I went back to my hometown and things were kind of not really going very well. So I, I tried a few different things and then I thought I relocated to a different part of the country. So I, tr I tried doing different things and then eventually I came to the Southwest, which is where I found the opportunity to start teaching karate. And that's when my kind of sales samurai journey began and I haven't really looked back since then. That's awesome. Was there like a rock bottom that you hit during that time that kind of like sticks with you throughout these days that you look back and like, damn, I'm, I was there and now I'm here. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I was on the drugs, taking drugs, different kind of drugs, like not, not one thing addicted to, but I was like trying different things and I was homeless for a while. No fixed aboard, sofa surfing and that kind of thing. So yeah, that, those really dark times that, but, it was it was the fact that I, that I went through them that made me realize that's not where I want to be. I, I don't want to live like this. So that kind of my wake up call. And again, like I say, I've, it's been a learning curve ever since then. And I, I've learned lots of skills and uh, I've, I've made some great connections. I've, I've, I've become a podcaster. And yeah, it's just been lots of good, positive things have, have come from just having that <coughs> the right mindset. So transitioning into the time when you was knocking on doors and trying to um, get people to your, um, I would say, dojo um, to, to take martial arts classes, yeah. um, how did you come up with that idea? And then how, how did it go? How, how was the reception of you knocking on doors and trying to get people to take, you know, this, go to this karate class? Well, it wasn't my idea. It was just the way that the, I was actually doing it on behalf of a, uh, a, an organisation. It was a karate. A, 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 it was a. It was that they cover all the whole of the southwest. They're quite a big, uh, should we say, uh, academy. So what we all did is, if you wanted to become an instructor, you got all the training for free. All the grades and all all the karate training was free. But I was expected to go out and and build the classes. So that's how it how that worked. And well, I would, I would, I'm quite good at sort of building rapport anyway. So I just knock on a door, and then when they answer the door, I just say, "Oh, hi, how's it going? I'm John. I'm from John. I'm from your local karate club. Just wondering if there's anybody in the house that might be interested in doing some karate classes." Uh, well, I've not really thought about it. Have you got any kids in the house? Yeah, yeah, we've got a little Johnny. He's he's about he's seven now. Oh, brilliant! Has he ever tried any martial arts before? Self defense. Well, no, no, he's not. He's not. Directly, he might like it. Go and go and grab him. Is he is he in there? Go and see if he'd be interested in doing a bit of karate. Oh yeah, yeah, I'd be interested in that, Dad. Yeah. Why don't you just do a family class? We can get all three, Dad. I'll tell you what, I'll come back and let give you a bit more information about it. About seven thirty, okay for you. What time does he normally go to bed, Johnny? All right, perfect. I'll I'll pop back around at seven o'clock then, just before he goes to bed. All right, no problem. I'll see you then. Right, I'll see you at seven o'clock. Boom, and then I just go back round within and then the next couple of hours. Sign him up. Done. That's awesome. That, I think that skill is left in the past. I think everybody now depends on so much on social media and 
marketing tips and tools and uh, people forget the the door-to-door salesmen that used to sell vacuum cleaners and knives to support their family and that that skill that you were that you were showing is a trait that you know doesn't come come along a lot nowadays well, the, the beauty is, Drew, that's not that's not 100% accurate because I just transfer the same skills to the telephone. Mm. I do exactly the same thing on the telephone. I use the same same techniques. I use the same sort of mannerisms. I use the same kind of uh, rapport. So everything that I do on the door, it, it was the door knocking and the cold calling that got that sharpened these skills for me, that enables me to be a, such a good salesman on the phone or such a good closer or, or whatever you want to call it. So, so what are your keys to success when you're doing cold calling? That's a great question. I appreciate these questions you're firing today, Drew. They're really good. Um, <laughs> the, the keys to success in cold calling are, no, seriously, the keys to success in cold calling are just think about numbers. So if I tell myself I'm going to ring 50, 50 numbers in a day, I ring those 50 numbers. Regardless of whether I get people hanging up on me, telling me to F off or whatever, you know what I mean? You do get rude people. But all I do to that then is if I get somebody hang up on me, I'm going to have a reset. I call it a reset. So I'll have five minutes. I'll have a coffee. I don't smoke, but if you smoke, have a cigarette, whatever. Whatever you need to do to relax. Listen to a bit of music, relaxing music, a bit of Zen music or whatever. Bit of meditating five minutes breathing, and then you, boom, you're back on the phone for the next number. Never never do back-to-back numbers if you're getting abuse and negativity because you're going to transfer that negativity onto the next person you speak to. Mm, that's, that's a good one. That's a real good one. And you can also read his book, um, The Sales Samurai Master, is it called? So Samurai Master, yeah, it's available on Amazon, paperback or Kindle. And what, so how, first of all, how did you um, start writing a, a book of all things and what provoked you to write a book? Well, to be honest with you, Drew, it's something that I thought about for many years. And I, ju- I just wanted to get my ideas on paper or I wanted to get my thoughts and my knowledge out there because I knew I had all this, this, this knowledge to share, especially when it comes to sales and, and, and that kind of thing. So uh, I, I kind of procrastinated for m- many years. And it's one of them things that you think, oh, it's such a big thing to do. It's such a mammoth task. It's going to take me years, ages. I mean, the the whole book is only... 100, 122 pages, so it's not a very thick book, but I didn't want it to be a massive book about sales because it's going to be boring, so it's it's very easy to read in a couple of days, but it, it's it's no fluff, it's just pure good techniques for sales, for beginners, for people that have done many years of sales, it it's kind of covers all angles, but once I actually decided to sit down and do it, I, like I say, I put it off and I put it off, and I thought, right, I had a few tips from people. Right, what you need to do is write out each chapter before you start. Give you give your ta- chapters titles. So I did that. I sat down and I and I named all the different titles for each each what each chapter. 
And then once I had all the chapters written down, I then gave myself what you what uh, it was a guy called Ben Gay. He's 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 quite a famous sales salesperson and author. He told me that I needed a North Star, which is the very last sentence of the book. So I also wrote my North Star because that gives me something to aim for when I'm when I'm making my way through the book. But once I did all that and I actually sat down and started, it only took me about a month to complete from start to finish. And then I got help. I got a, a great publishing company to work with me just to do all the, the kind of uh, the finishing off and the editing and the, the, the publishing side of it for me. And then that was it. That's awesome. And I like to your point, I feel like a lot of people um, put away writing a book because like you said, it seems so impossible. But with those tips that you're saying, I, I, I think people can at least, you know, start on their journey if they want to write a book at least. Um, so I know that for the name of the book called Sales Samurai Master, what's an analogy that you can make that connects sales to martial arts? Is there an analogy you always use? Well, not, not one particular thing, because there's so many different uh, correlations and, and, and sort of strategies and, and philosophies that I use from both. But when, if you, if, say, for example, if you study martial arts for many years, you get certain ideas, you, you kind of, um, you have a lot of patience, you have a lot of discipline, you have a lot of kind of dedication and, and perseverance and that kind of thing. And, and all, all those things cross over into sales. I wouldn't have got so far in sales if I hadn't used the same mindset and the same ideas from the martial arts and, and tied them together. So it, for me, it was the perfect blend of the two. But if you're, it doesn't matter if you're not one of those at the moment, I, I can teach you the book, can teach you the ideas and, and the strategies and the, the sort of philosophies to use to kind of get that mindset and get that mentality. What I would say to anybody is you can be your own best friend, but you can also be your own worst enemy. You kind of defeat yourself by your own thought process. You say, oh, I can't do that. I can't knock on 50 doors in a night. I can't bring 50 people if they're hanging up on me. But the, the, the fact of the matter is you can. Everybody can. I'm not, I'm not special because I can bring, a foot, bring people one after the other. It's just, it's just d discipline. Yeah, and on both both sides, I think that's discipline is important. What? So, can you give me an example of your worst, either cold fall or door knock, and how you persevered through it? <laughs> uh, the worst door knock, I think, one time was when I was doing it for karate, and I had a team with me. I had a couple of lads working under me, and it ne it nearly ended up with a fight because. The guy who he, whose door we knocked on, he was some kind of karate guy from a different club, and he started bad-mouthing the club and everything like that, and they kind of nearly ended up squaring up and, and having a go. So I ended up having to intervene and, and break it up and say, listen, just back off, like, get, give it a rest. So that was probably one of the worst. It wasn't actually me that knocked the door, but that was probably one of the worst I've seen. But you get a lot of people telling you to F off and, and slamming in, the, in your face. But after a bit, you just—I'm just not affected by it. I just really don't don't care. You kind of build like alligator skin, almost bulletproof from that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, yeah. th that's the beauty of martial arts, isn't it? Because if you, if you think about people that do Tai Chi, I used to have a Tai Chi instructor. I did a little bit of Tai Chi. And he said after a bit, you, you feel like you've got this energy around you, like a, like a bubble around you. And that's what I that's what I feel like. When, it's only verbal stuff, isn't it? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but but words can't hurt me, can they? So if people tell me to f off or we don't deal with cold calls and all that, I just I just let it bounce off my my energy. <laughs> can we can we go in inverse? What was the the best cold call or knock you ever had? Um, and how did you make it the best, and how did you interpret it as the best? It's probably difficult to say the, the very best, but obviously the, the best ones are when people are re really, really kind of wanting what you've got. I mean, for another example, I've had it when I've sold, like, windows and doors. Uh, we have what we call conservatories over here, which is like a big glass see-through stuck to the house where you sort of sit in a lot of older people have them where they sit in a chair and they, they read the, or do knitting or whatever it's like a, a bit like a greenhouse but for people sort of thing so we have a lot of them over here and there was one one day i spoke to a lady she was like yeah yeah this is i knocked on the door and i had a leaflet or whatever she's like yeah i'm interested in a, a new conservative oh yeah like thirteen thousand pounds it was boom all right so she just she just got it straight away so there's lots of them like that. If you if you knock on somebody's door and they want a full a full house of windows, that's quite a, a quite a, a lot of money to spend. So yeah, it's it's there is the the beauty of sales is you you put up with a lot of uh, rejection, a lot of bullshit, but it, it the the positives and the sell the selling side of it outweighs it tenfold. When you get a, when you make a sale, it's like a drug high. It's, it's a really good feeling. So let's talk about a little bit about the podcast. When when did you start it? How's it going? Um, any podcast tips and tricks? I know we we've kind of like like across the halls of Clubhouse, we've probably seen each other in a couple podcast rooms. Um, yeah. So let's start with how can you yeah. um, talk about your podcast first? What it is about, and then can we talk about like anything tips and tricks you can tell to new podcasters? Yeah, of course. Well, firstly, I, I, it's been going about 18 months now. And the, the, the mistake that I made, well, I wouldn't say it's a mistake, but I just went straight into it without any experience. or I didn't do any courses or anything like that or study how to, how to podcast. I just literally started going. Now, there's kind of pros and cons to that because you can learn along the way. It all depends on where, what, how you want to go about it. And some people will, will sort of do a course first and learn it. I just like to get chucked in at the deep end and then, then kind of start swimming and teach myself. But uh, so what I what I would what I would recommend is kind of make sure you get your message right because that's one of the big mistakes that I made. Uh, I started off uh, it was an entrepreneur show, so I was I was interviewing people, getting guests on uh, to speak to different entrepreneurs, like speakers and and that kind of thing, and authors and what have you, and. It was quite good, but I got about, say, 30 or 40 episodes in, and the downloads were very low, sort of a couple of here, not, days where I didn't have any, and then I might get five, and then nothing, and then might get six here. And I thought, well, there's something quite, probably not quite right here. 
And uh, what it was, I was I was interviewing guests, and it was all about them. I'd get a guest on, and it'd be, yeah, everything's great. You're so wonderful. How can people find out more about you? Blah, blah, blah. And don't get me wrong, I had some really fantastic guests, and they were really good episodes. But there was a key element missing from the show. And one another podcaster told me, he said, no, you're not doing anything about yourself. Nobody knows. It's your show, but nobody knows anything about you. So I thought, all right. Maybe I should try something a little bit different. So I just did a couple of episodes on my own. I did like a five-minute episode talking about sales sessions, sales samurai tips or whatever. Boom. The downloads went miles past any of the guest episodes. And I thought, wow, there's, there's something in this here. So I did a few more of them, and then I started to mix it up. So it was a mixture of guest episodes, which I do like doing because I, I like to have fantastic guests on with lots to offer and value and that kind of thing. But I started putting my own bits of elements in mm. there as well. And I noticed a, 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 a change in the, the, amount of the numbers and stuff. So I thought, hmm, there might be even more to this. So what I did, again, it used to be called the Success Breed Success Show. And I thought it was a great name and everything. And it was about entrepreneurs. But what I realized is I was like a small fish in a big pond. Because in the entrepreneur world, you've got mm. Jordan Harbingers. You've got all these huge like Grant Cardones and all these big names. And I'm just going to get lost in them all. There's no way I can kind of compete with them. So what I did is I thought, right, well, I need to rebrand here because I need to to focus on what I do and, and what my show is and what I'm going to be, my expertise is. So rather than just say something about sales, I, I, I even niche down even more to cold calling and closing, which are two of my expertise. Those are two of my real strong points. So now if people are searching for cold calling, but I don't even know how many other cold calling shows there are, but it, it's, I've definitely noticed some momentum. So what I would recommend, guys, is make sure you find your message before you set your show up. It will definitely help you. What I would also do as well is don't just push out one episode and then another episode and then another episode because if people are looking for a new podcast and they see that you've only published two or three episodes, They'll probably go straight past you. If they see you've got a bulk of about 10 episodes, so they're going to be more likely to have a look at you and a listen. So if you've got if you just publish 10 at once rather than one by one, it's going to look better to somebody that's trying to find a new podcast. That sounds that yeah, that's awesome. That's funny that you say that kind of like dove 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 head in, um, because it's kind of how I started. Um, I, I was always a podcast listener, so I was like, oh, it's easy. I could just do that myself. And then when you get into it, it's like, oh, there's so much more about, you know, posting on social media, using what type of mic you need to use, the technology behind it, all the different things that you have to kind of like to make it proficient, reliant, and, you know, effective to get your point across. So I, I hope people are listening that, hey, you need to find that. Like you said, the North Star of your podcast and continue to, you know, be a yeah. a student of the craft. Absolutely. It's like anything you have to be a student of the craft. You're never going to be uh, an ultimate master. I mean, even though the book is called Sales Samurai Master, I'm not a, I'm not a full master. Nobody's ever a full master of anything. You were always learning, aren't we? Oh yeah, if you if you stop learning, you stop breathing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. 
So we're going to go into a section of the podcast I like to call Shots Fired. Um, so it's about 15, 20 questions. Um, I call them elevated icebreakers, but when I say it, the first thing that comes to your head, you just let it fly. Okay, Sounds good? Let's do it. And this is Shots Fired. Let's do What's it. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? Red. What's your favorite sport? Martial arts, if that class is a sport. Yeah. What's your favorite movie? Scarface. What's your favorite cereal? Conflicts. <laughs> What's your favorite drink? Alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Ooh. 50-50. Okay. What's your favorite TV show? Uh, at the moment, I'm quite liking Cobra Kai. Yeah. What, what uh, movie is your guilty pleasure? The movie's my guilty pleasure. That's a tough one. Um, Back to the Future. Hmm. What's one place you want to visit? China. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be uh, a lawyer or an architect. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow <laughs> if you can go to a fictional world um, which one would you go to probably something like on Avatar I can't remember what it was called but I liked the, the, the planet on Avatar okay um who is your celebrity crush? Sorry, I didn't catch that. Who is your celebrity crush? <laughs> celebrity crush. Um, does does. Um, that's a tricky one. I've liked different ones over the years. It used to be when I was a kid, it was, it was Wonder Woman, the 80s Wonder Woman. <laughs> nice. Um, what's your favorite type of music? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I like so many different types. Um, I quite like some of the dance music, like the electro type stuff and techno, but I also like a bit of hip hop. 
there's there's like a British kind of scene going on that's called kind of grime. I quite like some of that stuff as well. So I like to mix it up a bit. Nice. What would be the name of your autobiography? Uh, uh, an, an English man's story. Mm. If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? If if you I could change anything about the way you were raised, oh yeah. Um, if you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? Um, to be honest, I wouldn't really change anything. I mean, my my parents split up when I was really young, so maybe it would have been nicer if they had stayed together a bit longer, but. When they were together, they did a good job. So I wouldn't really, I don't think too much can can be blamed on parents unless they've had a really bad sort of childhood, like with with sort of abuse and that kind of thing. I never suffered any of that sort of stuff, so I I have no real complaints. Who would you be handcuffed to for a month? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> um oh <laughs> um handcuff to probably my partner we could pro well the thing is we've been in lockdown for that long now i might as well be handcuffed to her so i'll say <laughs> my girlfriend <laughs> okay um what's one superpower you would want to have superpower um i like quite like the idea of flying but I reckon mind reading would be good as well. So either flying or mind reading. Okay. Last question. What is your death row meal? I need an app. I need an entree and I need the dessert. Death row meal. Oh, wow. Right. Uh, I think I'd probably have some kind of, I do quite like seafood. So I might have some kind of seafood starter with like prawns and maybe a bit of caviar, you know what I mean? Lobsters, that kind of thing, something like that. And then the main meal would have to be uh, a big piece of steak. So like a 30 ounce steak or something like that, uh, a T-bone, a nice piece of steak. And then the dessert would have to be a... Um, well, I quite like a bit of sponge, treacle sponge and custard. We have, I don't know if you get that over there, but that's what I, I quite like a bit of that for my dessert. Oh yeah, we get, we, we get it. <laughs> that sounds delicious. All right. And that is shots fired. So the, the last question I like to ask on a podcast um, is a big one. And the question is, what are you, what do you think you're doing to change the world? Well, I, I, I have got a lot of ideas that I want to do eventually. At the moment, I'm just trying to make an impact and help as many people as I can 
with the sales and selling at the moment. So that that's kind of my, my mission, my short-term mission. But long-term, I want to help, especially ex-military. So one of my goals is to get so that I, I've got enough of an income that I can actually help people in a big way. It's like charitable. So I, I hate the idea of uh, ex-military being homeless because I've had a taste of it myself. So one of my big goals would be to help ex-military personnel and keep them off the street. Yeah, it's funny that you you bring that up because I, I didn't know that, you know, foreign countries had that problem too, but we have a problem with our veterans as well and how they're treated and how they're, you know, taken in once they are finished their duty. So that's a great mission and 100% important to get people back to their real life. Yeah, Drew, I, I notice it time and time again because I spend a lot of time speaking to you guys over there and we're kind of in a very similar situation with lots of things. Politically, we have very similar things going on uh, with, with things like that. military. Yeah, we definitely have the same kind of thing going on. At the end of the day, we're kind of like the same, aren't we? We're just, we're just an island. We, we, we're practically the 51st state, mm -hmm. aren't we, really? Because we've been, we've been allies for that long. And we, do, do, we do do <laughs> things very similar. So... Um, yeah, we, we de definitely have the same issues when it comes to that. So I'd love to help not just British, but American veterans as well, Just not, not just people over here. Yeah, that's, that's a great mission. It's, yeah, it's super parallel. Um, so can you tell everybody how they can reach you, how they can contact you, and how they can listen to the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the podcast is available on all the pla all the major platforms, um, even like iHeartRadio and that kind of thing. We don't have that over here, but I've managed to get the show on iHeart for you guys over there because a, a large majority of my following is actually in the States, uh, much more than British. Uh, even even India, India's catching you guys up, but we the Brits are kind of way behind at the moment. That's why I'm trying to interview more British people to try and get a bit more interest here. But um, what, what I'd really like you to do is, if you want to follow me, is follow my Instagram account, which is Samurai JM. So just the, just the initials, JM80. So that's Samurai JM80. That's my Instagram. I'm posting quite a lot of martial arts stuff and sales-related stuff on there. And, um, yeah, you can also go to my YouTube channel as well, which is called The Sales Samurai. I actually upload, if, if people like to watch videos, I actually upload them live stream. The podcast gets live streamed to my YouTube channel. The picture isn't brilliant because I use StreamYard, so it is a little bit glitchy, but it is up there anyway if, if people prefer to watch. That's awesome. Again, thank you, John, for your time. Thank you for taking out you know a piece of your evening to speak with me. Um, the last thing we do on the podcast is say our catchphrase which is love, peace, and chicken grease. And if you can say it, <laughs> that would be awesome. Love, peace, and chicken grease. Take it easy, guys. Yeah, we, we got it from across the pond. Thanks again, John. <laughs> Take care. And this has been another episode of Drew versus the World. <laughs>